welcome to Life Church uh, to our new series, Masquerade. And this weekend, we want to welcome our brand new Life Church West Campus. Will you welcome them tonight? All right. Great. Well, we are, are, as we began this new series, we're going to have a theme verse for the entire series, and it's coming out of 2 Corinthians. And uh, so I want to read that for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 2, it says, We refuse to wear masks and to play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes, but rather we keep everything we do and say out in the open. So this is going to be a theme verse for us as we go through this entire uh, series on masquerade. And today we're talking about the mask of chaos, the mask of chaos. We all have issues. Uh, If you don't think you have an issue, this series probably isn't for you. We all have issues. We all have junk that we deal with, especially in church. We suppress that. I don't know exactly why we do that, but, but you fight with the kids, you're fighting with your spouse, you're yelling in a parking lot, and as soon as you pull in and you see somebody, you're like, good afternoon, brother, how are you today? Good morning, good evening, good to see you. You kids better not act up or I'm going to beat you within an inch of your life. Oh, good to see you, right? That's what we do. And, and it's almost chaotic because everything is going like at a breakneck speed, 90 miles an hour, and we just go and go and go and go and go and go and go. And, and, and even at church, we, we do this. We put this mask on just to kind of mask the chaos. And in the world, we do the same thing. Have you seen people as they drive along the interstates and the freeways? It's crazy. People are like mad and gripping the steering wheel and, and all mad and honking and the Hawaiian hello. And if you don't know what that is, we'll tell you later. And, and I mean, I was at the mall yesterday with my wife uh, and we were having a date. And, 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 and all of a sudden, I'm just trying to drive. I wasn't trying to get the parking spot. I was waiting for this car to back up. And, and they're in a big SUV. took a little extra time. And I'm getting ready. Just I'm not pulling in the parking spot. I'm just driving through. This guy in a truck hops the curb, almost hits a car, and just, uh, just, just frantically trying to get in there. I thought, man, slow your roll. Like, you're going to get into the mall. It's easy. And, then, and it doesn't end there. You've seen people, like, go to soccer games with their kids. Man, they're grabbing their kids, and they're focused. And, cause, because the parents, man, they're going from here to there. They haven't eaten. They haven't done anything. And all of a sudden, they got to get the kids over here, and the kids better win. Then you got to get them home. Then you got to get them there. And it's just a frantic, chaotic pace of life that we live. And there was a study that was done, and 60% of Americans admit to living a life that's out of control. And we don't want to act like that, but they admit to living a life that's completely out of control. And we complain all the time, and here's how we complain. I'm so busy. How are you? Man, I'm just busy. Work's busy. Life's busy. Family's busy. It's almost like if you can't say, like, busy is like a status symbol today. Have you noticed that? Like, if you can't say, well, I'm busy, man. I'm just, I'm flying here, flying there. I'm going here. I'm going there. I'm spinning wheels, making deals. I'm catching myself coming and going, and this is just crazy, and everything's busy, and the kids are busy, and the family's busy, and everything's busy, and we just keep going on and on and on, and it's this chaotic, frantic, out-of-control type of life. I heard it said like this, you know you're too busy if you're too busy to finish the book that you just purchased on stress. You know you're too busy if you tell your kids it's time to eat and they go get in the car. (laughs) You know you're too busy if your car has more clothes in your closet. Questions to ask yourself, am I really busy? You're always in a hurry or you're always late. Secondly, 
Your to-do list is unrealistically long and you never finish it. You, you, take, you take your day off to catch up on unfinished work of the week. Uh, more than one person has told you you need to slow down. You feel guilty when you take a day off. And you find yourself just as fatigued on Monday morning as you did on Friday afternoon. I don't think this is what God wants for us. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse, excuse me, verse, chapter 21, verse 34, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation. The word dissipation means to evaporate. Your heart will just basically evaporate away. And with drunkenness, I know we're not talking about alcohol and drunkenness, but drunkenness all throughout the scripture, anytime you see that, it's also a symbol for someone whose life is completely out of control. And the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Defines really a lot of how people live. So when life comes chaotic, there's, there, there's a couple things that happen in our lives that kind of set this up. First of all, we become very scattered. We become very scattered. And by scattered, it means we do a lot of things, but we don't really, we don't do really anything well. We're just busy. We become reactive. And that's the opposite of proactive. And the urgent begins to take place of what's important. When, when, when we become chaotic, we become frantic. The word frantic in the dictionary means to be emotionally out of control, marked by fast, disordered, anxiety-driven behavior. Or we become stressed. And stress has emotional ramifications in our life and physical ramifications in our life. Now, what's interesting about that word stress, if you reverse it, it's the same word that we get the word desserts. It's desserts, spelled backwards. And so my, my way to relieve stress is desserts. Amen? Can I see that hand? Hallelujah. How many of you going to join me at Roberts? All right. You know what I'm talking? I mean, I, it, uh, it works for me anyhow. And some of you, I can sense, you're pushing back. And right now you're kind of going, yeah, right. This doesn't work. I've, I've, I've went to the workshop. I've heard the conference. I've read the book. I've got a T-shirt to prove it. And it just... It just doesn't work. I want you to know, I think God has a better plan for our lives. That's why I want to talk about this subject. And, and I know that some of you may go, well, I know you, man, and you're on the go all the time. It's your personality. And, and yeah, I probably could just be as easily sitting where you are as to where I'm standing preaching this message. But I think it's something that we all need to, 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 to stop for a few minutes and, and slow the RPMs down and just focus for a few minutes. And see, what does God's plan say? What does God's word have to say? And as a pastor, I want to say something too, because as a pastor, I'm a shepherd. And, and that means basically that I, I love you and that I pray for you and that my desire is that, man, you will have the life and life to the full. John chapter 10, verse 10. But this going and frantic and stressed and chaotic behavior is not what God wants for you. It's not what God desires for us. It's not healthy. And I know today's subject may not be fun, but it's true. And so I want to try to help you. And, 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 and let's look for a few times. I'm going to give you some references here on what the Bible says about this type of chaotic behavior. Job chapter 9, verse 25. The Bible says, my days go by faster than a runner. You ever felt like that? So you just thought you felt this way. No, this is all throughout Scripture. And they fly away with my, without my seeing any joy. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2, says that a person in a hurry makes many mistakes. Exodus chapter 33, verse 13, the Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. 
Now, that word rest is not inactivity. Uh, it's a state of mind. It's kind of why we go to church. It's a reprieve that the presence of God will, will put us in the right state of mind. We, we have worship. We, we begin to receive the word of God. And, and my prayer for you is that you'll have rest. That's why God said you can work six days, but one day you need to have the Sabbath. Today to recreate yourself. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29 says, Come to me, all those of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And you will find rest for your weary souls. So in unmasking our chaotic lives, Psalms has a lot to say too. And he says in verse 12, Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are, and help us to spend them as we should. We all desire to do that, that God would help us to, to number our days, to recognize how few they are, and to spend them as we should. And so what's causing, what are we lacking that's causing this chaos? Is it discipline? Is it, is it, is it schedules? Is it structure? That's not really what I want to talk to you about. You might think, well, he's going to give me 10 points or 10 things to do or do this, or he's just going to tell me to read the Bible more, pray more, go to church more, give more, go to missions, or some, kind of, some church answer, Jesus' answer. No, I really want to give you three things, and actually a fourth, that I think are things that you need to determine for your own self. And actually, um, these are all found in Scripture, but they're also found in a, in a, in a business book uh, that I came across by Peter Lencioni. Lencioni is a Christian. He doesn't write Christian books. He writes books for businesses. But uh, Lencioni wrote a book called The Three Big Questions for a Frantic Family. And basically, the format of all of his books are there is some type of a parable story, and then he pulls prick, uh, 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 he extrapolates principles from that parable, from that fictitious story. And so, and, and, and you may go, well, why are we, why are you getting, I mean, this, that's a business book. How does that translate to family? I mean, I, I got all this business stuff and all that. Listen, the family is the most important organization you're ever going to work in, lead, or run. And the things that work to help us maximize our efficiency and our return on investment in the world and in our marketplace are the same things that they're the same principles that can work in our own lives. And actually, they're very biblical. And I'm going to show you that. There, there, there's, there's a couple of values. One, he says, is this. Identify your unique values. If, if you're going to get beyond this chaos, you've got to identify your unique values. Now, um, what that means is as a family, to sit down. If you're single, you can identify it for yourself. If you're married, sit down with your spouse. Uh, if you have kids that are old enough to comprehend this, you can have a conversation. But you want to sit down and you basically want to identify, hey, what do we value as a family? What's important to us? What puts, for lack of a better term, what puts points on the board? What, what's a win for us? What, 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 what do we want to accomplish? What, what do we want our kids to see or experience by the time they graduate high school or by the time they hit this milestone or that milestone? What do we want in our marriage? What do we want out of this whole thing? I mean, I know we kind of all start off like starry-eyed and we're all in love. We think love's going to pay the bills and then we wake up and realize that doesn't happen. Hallelujah, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Some of you singles are going, it doesn't? Oh, <sighs> No, it doesn't. And you need to sit down and have that conversation. Seriously, have a conversation and identify what, what, what do you value? I mean, we do this at church. 
This is what we value. These are the things that we value. We, we have a, a thing called Life Track that if you say, hey, I really think the Life Church is where I want to go, then we say, why don't you join us for a few weekends, I mean, for a few Wednesday nights, and we'll take you through Life Track, and you can learn what it means to be uh, an active member or an active attender here at Life Church. You can learn your purpose. You can learn some things that you're gifted at. You can learn what we're all about as a church because we're not about everything, but this is what we value. And so I can tell you for Tammy and I, we value two major things in our life. First of all, we value ministry through the local church. And you may go, well, that's kind of easy. You guys like the pastors and that, that sounds awkward. But this isn't like an Aaron thing. This isn't like, well, Aaron's called to do this and then the family does something else. No, we as a family do this. With our kids, like when I go to work during the week, which is to the church, I don't say I'm going to church. I say I'm going to the office because I don't want my kids to ever feel like that church is taking their dad away from them. And so I'm very clear about that. But we go to church as a family. And we, we attend church and church outreach and churches of, church events as a family. We've talked about the West Campus and what that's going to mean for us as a family. And, and, and so... It's, it's all a part of who we are. This is something that we just do. And, and, and what that means sometimes is we say no to other things because we've said yes to this. And so it's a value for us. And, and, and the second thing for us is family. We're going to have family time. It's important for us to, I strive to be home four nights a week, four, four, four nights a week to have dinner with my family. And we talk, what was your high, what was your low, what's going on, what's happening? And we have a family meal together, we sit down together, and we talk about that. Usually it's followed up by a family game, which I'm somewhat competitive, and so I've gotta, I don't let my kids win anything. But anyhow, and so, you know, it's, it's, and we just have that time that we do that together as a family. There are certain family things that we do. There are daddy dates. And, and one of my favorite things that my girls love to do is we'll get up early of a morning on Saturday morning and go to George Webb. Nobody does their hair. We all put on ball caps. We put on our hoodies, and we're out the door. Mom is asleep, and we sit at the counter at George Webb, and we eat them out of house and home. All the pancakes, holla, all of the you know, eggs and bacon, and I have coffee. They have juice and milk. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just that's our time. And, um, and so it's, this is what we value. This is what we want to accomplish. So if you're going to cut the chaos in your life, you've got to determine what's important to you. Jeremiah says it like this in chapter 6, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient past and ask where the good way is because you can't do every way and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Identify what you value. Second thing you've got to do is identify the single most important objective for your, for your family, for your life. What's the number one thing? What's the single most important thing that you want to accomplish? What's the number one thing? What's the one thing that if you did in the next six weeks or the next six months that would, would be revolutionary, that would, that would advance your family forward? What, what's that one thing? Maybe it's just having a mealtime. Maybe it's once a week. I don't know. Maybe it's cutting an extracurricular activities. I tell my girls this all the time. You can do anything you want, but you can't do everything. Because I'm telling you, I am not going to be a taxi driver. You know what I'm talking I mean, I, maybe that's you, and I, well, I can feel the tenseness in the room. Let's talk about this for a minute. Because we, we, we get our kids involved in all kinds of things to make them well-rounded only to find out that they're just worn out and tired. 
And, and it's amazing to me because I think sports are great. I love sports. My kids love sports. We, we're involved in, in different leagues and things like this. But we say we're not going to do everything. You can do anything, but we're not going to do everything. Why? Because we can't. Because I'm not going to have my wife over here and me over here and trying to get here and trying to get there and trying to get there. And for what? It's chaotic. Well, what's important? What, 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 what really makes a difference? What's going to last 20 years from now? What's going to last? You know, I, and, and again, I spent almost a decade of my life as a youth pastor, and I would see kids in all kinds of sport activities. And again, I think that's great. And all kinds of extracurricular activities, just going and going and going and going and going. And I never had one of my kids make it to the pros. And I've had youth groups of hundreds of kids. I've only had a handful of them make it to Division I schools on scholarship, as scholarship athletes. And it's just like, at some point, I'm like, these poor kids on Wednesday night, I'm watching them, and they're just drained, and they're tired, and they're not even with me. And, and, and I go, I know why that they're letting all kinds of things in their life, because they're just running and going, and it's chaotic. And mom and dad, we got to stop and say, hey, what's important? You can do something, but you can't do everything. Pick what it is. Sometimes as parents, we have to step in and go, you know what? This isn't helpful for you, and we're going to make an executive decision here. And you may get, oh, mom, oh, dad, I can't believe you're ruining my life. They'll they'll get over it. And if they don't, tell them, go to Lowe's and get a ladder and get over it. It'll be all right. Because at the end of the day, you're doing what's in their best interest. Isn't that what your job is, is to lead? Mm -hmm. See, at church, we do this. We don't do everything. We, We say at Life Church, we do four things well. Creatively communicating the word of God on a regular basis. Secondly, focusing on family, kids ministry, youth ministry. We've got one of the best anywhere in southeastern Wisconsin. Missions and outreach around the corner, around the world, we're going to share the love of Jesus Christ. And community, we're going to be involved in the lives of each other. We're going to love each other and talk to each other and have community, Acts 2.42 with each other. That's what we're going to do. And if it doesn't fall on those four things, we don't do it. It's kind of like this. I, I don't know if you like this. I love steaks. Ruth Chris is one of my favorite places to eat. And I love a Ruth Chris steak because Ruth Chris doesn't do everything. They just do steak, but they do it really, really, really well. And so I like to say this, and I think this is true, uh, we should be true of the family. We're Ruth Chris, not a golden corral. We're going to have a great steak, but you can't find tacos on a buffet bar. You know what I'm talking about? Mmm. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 24 says, An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. Mm, Don't get mad at me. That's what the word says. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. That value of one thing. And here's my question to ask you about this, identifying the single most important objective, is what's the one thing that you could do over the next three to six months that your family life or your family could, be, could benefit or become better from? Talk about that. Ask each other. I don't know. It's different for everybody in this room. What's the one thing that could strengthen your marriage? One thing that could strengthen your family? One thing that could strengthen your kids? Ask your kids. Maybe it's cutting something. Maybe it's focusing on something. Here's what I know. You, you, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Identify the single most important objective. The, the, the third thing that Lencioni says is that you need to check your progress regularly. Check your progress regularly. This is where it breaks down. We start off with all these great things, and we have these ideas, and we identify these things. 
But at some point in time, after you're engaged in doing what you're focused on doing, you've got to evaluate. You've got to create a culture evaluation where you talk about it. And, and, and I know, guys, we don't like to do this, but you sit down, you remove the remote from your hand, you walk out of the room with ESP on, ESPN on, and you talk. And it had, to be, it had to be like an hour, it can be five minutes. But you sit down and you talk about what, how you doing, where are things at. If it's a deal of, hey, we're going to have three nights this week or two nights this week, we're going to have family uh, dinner time, and we're going to try to do that over the next three to six months. Then you sit there and you look at your calendar. I don't know if you do this, but Tammy and I have to sync our calendars. We sit down sometimes with two laptops and go, here's what I got this night. Oh, I didn't know you had this. I know you're going to be out of town. Yeah, well, I'm supposed to be here. What are we going to do? We've got to make, because we've got to get our lives synced up because she's going and she's got things, and I'm going and I've got things, and life just happens. And so we want to cut the chaos. And so we sit down and we evaluate and we check up on our progress. This isn't some new age idea. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run and hurry and scurry will put you further behind. Proverbs 13, 17 says, reliable communication permits progress. You want to move forward? Sit down and talk. You want to find out what's going on? Just sit down and talk. Talk to your kids. Talk to their teachers. You know, I threaten all the time. If you, if you don't talk to me, I'm going to show up at class. I'm going to sit with you through the entire day of school. And every time the teacher says, do you have a question? I'm going to go, you have a, who's got the answer? I'm going to point to you and say, you've got it. She, she can tell you what the answer is. And, uh, and they're like, no, Dad. So then talk to me. Tell me what's going on. What's not in the book? And I think this is where it ends, and this is where really, uh, I think probably the truest question or the truest value that we should think about is something that's beyond you and I and family and the hustle and bustle of today. I think it's the key to everything. And it says it here in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16 and 17. I want to read it for you. It says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That's a big deal. I mean, that, I, mean I could spend probably an entire series just, just unpacking that verse. But in essence, here's what he's saying to the church in Ephesus, if you accomplish everything in life and you don't please God and you don't make a difference in eternity, what difference does it make? Ultimately, God, I am building a house. I am trying to lead a family. God, I'm trying to work on my marriage. God, I'm trying to get out of college. God, I'm trying to get married. Lord, I'm, I'm trying to establish this and establish that. And I, I feel like sometimes I'm herding cats and life is chaotic and and, and you have to stop sometimes and go, does this really make a difference? This is the last thing I want to give you. The secret to living a life of intentionality and purpose is to focus on the eternal. The secret to living a life of intentionality and purpose is to focus on the eternal. Now, before you think I'm going like all old school, I'll get there in a minute. But I want to talk to you about this just for a second because I think this is powerful. Because I don't think we give a lot of time to this. Because I think we're so busy making widgets or whatever we do all day long. 
At the end of the day, we don't stop and go, does this really make a difference? And what difference does it make? Is it really that important? And how important is it? And again, here's the thing. And I know I can sense even pushback in this room right now as I talk. Look, I'm not telling you what you need to do. I'm not telling you these are the six things you need to do. I'm saying you need to sit down in your life and your family and your marriage and say, here's what's important. Here's what's important to us. Here's what puts points on the board for our family. Here's what we need to do. And then make the tough decisions, have the hard conversations, and then check up on your progress. But in all of that, what difference does it make in light of eternity? What difference does it make with your kids or with the program that they're in or, or, or what's going on? See, because when, when I visit people in the hospital that are dying, nobody ever says, I wish I could have spent another day at the office. No, it's never happened. I, I've never had anybody there when they realize they're about to enter into eternity go, you know, I wish I could just have one more night out with the boys. One more night out with the gals. I wish I would have sowed a few more wild oats in my life. I wish I'd have been a little bit more hell on wheels. Mm. No. People get real serious about what's important. And they bring their family in. And their friends in. And they tell people how valuable they are to them. About a year ago, I had a phone call. It was with a man who is a He's preached here before. He dedicated my girls. He's a hero to me. And I knew he was sick, and I knew he was in the hospital, and he was in kind of an outpatient deal, and his body was just giving out. And he, man, he had preached the gospel everywhere. He had lived the life. He, he had served. And uh, I just called him and said, hey, Brother Newburn, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, son. I'm doing good. It's, it's getting close to springtime, I think. I'm ready to go take the sticks out and play another round. He, he could beat your pants. I don't care who you were, how young you were, old you were. He could beat you on a golf course any day of the week. We laughed and talked a little bit back and forth. And then he went into this whole discourse with me. Like a, an elder would to a, a, a junior. And began to tell me how to take care of my family. How to take care of my wife. How to always take care of the church and how to lead with integrity. He began to tell me things that he thought about me that he had never told me before. And he ended, and his voice was beginning to give out. And he said, I just want to pray with you. And he began to pray. And he began to cry. And he began to pray over me. And I realized, sitting in my office, in my study on the other end of the phone, this would be the last time I talked to him. He was saying goodbye to me. And he was praying over me. And he was praying God's blessing over my daughter's who he sent Christmas and birthday gifts to every single year. And he was praying over Tammy and over me and over this church. And he said, I love you, son. I got to go. See, when you get to eternity, you cut out a lot of things that don't matter. You determine that. The Bible says that when this world is over, that we'll stand before God, every one of us, every person that's ever lived. And he'll ask one of two questions. Question number one, what did you do with my son, Jesus? And the second question, how did you leverage your or use your life for the biggest difference for eternity? 
And the reality is, is that you have to answer the first question before you can answer the second question. And the right answer to the first question is, what did you do with my son Jesus? Is real simple. The Bible says that you say that I knew him and I had relationship with him and that I love him and he is my Lord and my Savior. Because God came into this world not to be some cosmic killjoy. Not to sit in the heavenlies with a, a cosmic Louisville slugger, slugger just to knock our heads off of our shoulders. Or to control us like some rock'em sock'em robot. He came into this world to give his life for a ransom for many. To pay the price for our sins so that he could restore relationship with us. Like a father would to a child. And if you don't answer the first question, you'll never be a- a- able to answer the second question. Which is... What did you do with your life to leverage it for the benefit of eternity? If you were to stand before God today, which question would he ask you? Would he ask you the first question? What did you, what? Because maybe you've never made a decision to do that. Or would he ask you the second question because you're a Christ follower? But he's going to ask every single one of us. It's the judgment seat of Christ. He will ask us one of those two questions. Which question will he ask you and what would you say? And today, I want you to think about that for a moment. It's either the world and its pleasures or it's Christ.